0: Welcome to the Mythos Manual. I am your host and wonderful GM, Calder Cadavid. And I'm here to bring you guys on board to the Mythos Manual, the inaugural episode. Mythos Manual, a how-to for RPG homebrew. Paul came up with that, and he's, a uh... He's pretty good about things like this. For context, Paul is me. I'm I'm this voice. <laughs> Paul's one of my great guys who have roped into this. He's a, a great guy. <laughs> I guess I also have some women here. By some women I mean a woman. A
1: singular woman. That's me.
0: All the single ladies. Who are you, singular cool. woman?
1: <laughs> I'm Christy. Stakey. And I am happy to be here.
2: Yeah. And last but not least, uh, I'm Alan Mills. I am the I'm the third party. I guess. Or am I the fourth one? Here's a third. the third. The third. You're the third
0: wheel of this train. And we are the Mythos <laughs> Manual. The Mythos Manual is going to be a RPG podcast that we're going to talk about how to homebrew, how to roll uh, good characters, good games, what makes games good, what makes characters good. The mantra behind this is how can you guarantee... That you will have a great game every time. What goes into that to make the next game you play the best game ever? We're always thinking about, look, I want my next game to be the best game ever. And what goes into that? And we're going to be exploring that through homebrew versus adventure paths or pre-written campaigns. And not that there's anything wrong with that, because I also love adventure paths and pre-written campaigns, because I am also very very lazy (laughs) and homebrews can be a lot of work I finished a very big homebrew a couple months ago and I kind of promised myself I would never ever ever do something to that scale ever again because it killed me (laughs) and I was really proud of it but I'll never do it again so but I'm happy to be doing something kind of different and this is what uh, the mythos manual is going to be about is about creating the best game I can make and how uh, me as a GM and you guys as players Contribute to that. I've been playing with the group of you for a couple of years now, to different extents. Yeah, five
3: that. like five years now. Like that's D and D is the entire length of our friendship. I didn't play tabletop RPGs of any brand or anything until I met you. I'd always wanted
0: to, but yeah, I'm a good influence. I. Uh, I just kinda bring people into my nerdy circle. Yeah, you would know better than anybody. You've been playing with Cal the longest, right? About
1: eleven years and it's all Cal's fault that I am a tabletop RPG nerd. I feel bad. Thanks, Cal. Oh my god.
0: Your RPG tabletop career with Cal is in sixth grade. Yeah. Oh no. I feel bad because like I met you when you were like young and cool and (laughs) and you corrupted and I just ruined it. Oh whatever. You were both in theater school. That's true, but theater school was like there was a lot of hot people in theater school, Paul. Like there was it was nothing but like hot bods and like people like stretching in the lobby and... and what did I choose to do?
1: Spend my Tuesday nights playing Dungeons and Dragons That's with right. Cal. That's right. <laughs>
0: yep. Alan did not go to college with us because he was too busy being an adult man by that
2: time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but in fact, uh, you in fact brought me into Pathfinder. I did. Because I was very prejudiced against it. Um, uh, I, I don't know I, your prejudice. I this. thought Pathfinder was the enemy. Yeah, you yeah. one of those. Yeah, In I the was. Edition Wars, I was. You had your camp. I did. I did. I. It was. Did you yeah. like?
0: Did you just love fourth edition? What
2: was that? Hey, it was. It was. It was great until you passed tenth level. I disagree.
0: But... <laughs> 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 but okay.
3: Well, okay. So hang on. I guess this is a good question to get off. Uh, our chest off top. Uh, Cal, why Pathfinder? There's so many RPG systems you could be using for this. Why is Pathfinder the
0: system you want to base homebrews in? That's a really good question, actually. Because, I know. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like off. you can think. I love Pathfinder. I really, really do. I, but I, and I don't, and I don't want to say this because I, I've been playing Pathfinder for about a, about a decade now, maybe a little less. And I, what I really like about it is how wonderfully customizable it is. I feel like I can always run. Whatever kind of game I want to run in it, it can it can be whatever I need it to be. Like I've have now used it to run very different campaigns. I've used it to run, starting with like my uh, out of college, I ran like a very Game of Thrones campaign, which I'm certain will I'll end up talking about at some point. I ran a very uh, Skyrim slashed in- Inuyasha Yasha campaign for the two of you guys uh, for four years. I'm sorry, th- who is th- oh the the two, audience? Christy, Christy and Paul. I ran a I ran a
2: I ran a very long. <laughs> Five years. Five years. I don't know if it was five years. Four and a it, half. It
0: was definitely five.
2: Yeah, yeah. For clarity, this is my first homebrew campaign with Cal. Yeah. Alan has never
0: gotten to experience me. He's always he's just always had me running adventure paths out of a book like a chump. <laughs> Which I really love adventure paths though because like they just take all the guesswork out, all the work's done for you. You just get to add your little flavor on top, and it's nice. What this really means is that
1: Alan hasn't had to read a 12-page PDF file via email yet from Cal.
0: Yeah, look forward to that. Yeah, there's no pictures. There's just it just 12.5. No pictures. (laughs) It just it's all it's no paragraphs either. It's just it just block. block. It's just block text. So, for this uh, kind of podcast, I want to kind of talk about well, a little bit about the structure and then we'll kind of get into what the game's going to be. It's going to be a live action RPG podcast, similar to a lot of other very popular, possibly overly crowded field of live RPG podcasts. <laughs> I don't know. What we're going to be doing is we're going to use that kind of as a gateway uh, to explore the different ideas that happen in the game. Uh, you guys will be running through an adventure and every, like, we'll probably do one game adventure, another game adventure, and then we'll take a third game, a third session out. The third episode will be a, I guess every other episode, is that the word I'm looking for? Every other episode will be a, every third episode? Every Every third third episode. episode. Thank you. I, I can't speak. Every third episode is going to be kind of a breakdown over maybe a rule or a concept of what makes RPGs good, what makes something fun. And we're gonna kind of really kind of delve into that. I want to use that to explore, and this this is why I kind of encourage this. This is gonna be kind of a system neutral campaign, though. Yes, again, we will be running Pathfinder, but I don't feel like that's gonna impede what I talk about when we talk about what makes RPGs fun. That shouldn't really matter. Because we were going to be talking about like, well, what makes traps fun? And then the answer would be nothing. Nothing makes traps fun. There's no way to fix that. And I'm sorry. It's to, <laughs> it's to give your party rogue something to do. It's, yeah, it's so your party rogue can use their disabled device check. And, and they, I bought all these masterwork tools. Let me use them. Um, so we'll, that's that's probably what, like, but that's the idea. Is like every third episode, we're going to talk about like kind of a topic. We'll talk about food. We'll talk about um game mechanics we'll talk about uh inter- interpersonal dynamics i don't know it, it, there's the the world is limitless in like what these episodes can be about but, but most likely they will be a reflection um with you or maybe our producer or maybe another gm i'll bring in and i'll use like a moment that happened in our game to talk about a larger concept does that make sense at all? Do you guys get? Are you guys on board with that? Oh yeah, I totally get it. Yeah, we had like a whole production meeting where you briefed us on it. Yeah, I just I don't feel like I connected. I feel like <laughs> I, I was talking to paint, glassy eyed paint. <laughs>
3: <laughs> so then,
0: what's what's this game you've got for us? Can okay, help? so I've been this has been kind of churning in my head for about a year, to be honest. Um, I've had I've had some kind of like broad stroke ideas. I don't know, I really wish I could kind of pinpoint where this is coming from, and I can't. I just, I think one day I woke up in a fevered sweat, and I'm like, oh, the jungle. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to the jungle. I've never really played a game in the jungle. It's a, it's a, it's a, I think like we, we touched on jungle stuff a little bit in our last big campaign. There was a, a moment we were in a jungle, but it, yeah, I, we kind of skimmed through it. I'm like, there's big monsters here, and that was kind of it. Like, we, we didn't really kind of like... Really bite into what it means to be in a jungle, to be in thick for like thick forest, thick vegetation, darkness, you know, canopy, uh, rain—all of these kind of cr- like things that make it a really unique setting. And in addition to this kind of unique setting, I really wanted to also do something kind of scary. I want to really focus on macabre themes. I want us to to really kind of be digging into like what makes the world we're in kind of frightening what scares me what scares you and spiders yeah i know so this is going to be nothing with spiders oh it's man utter- i don't know why i told you that yeah
3: and also the whole internet that was such a
0: bad move gonna, you're gonna get nothing but spider gifts spiders
3: all the way down <laughs> this is why i shouldn't go on the web
0: yeah oh that's it. actually why you can't go on the web because of all the spiders I thought it was a funny internet joke. I don't no one I was
3: giving him. Paul, a, I was giving him a big rolling. pity smile. Yeah. All right. It's well, good radio. Anyway, yeah. we're gonna cut this out anyway. Good job. Go on.
0: I don't know how to edit, so we won't. <laughs> Solid. It's in the movie. Boy, we're, so, we're talking a little bit. So we're gonna be going through a jungle scenario. It's gonna be focused on. You're going to be playing as. Whoever you want to play, obviously. I'm not going to tell you what character you're playing, but your characters have at least made a decision. The The decision that you've all come to is that you will be joining the University of Chermov, their expedition that they have funded, to go into a remote region of the Dragon's Jungle, which is this big jungle, dense, uh, impenetrable, not seen by the eyes of human men, or elf men, or dwarf men, halflings, gnomes, anything that looks vaguely human-esque. No one's been there. They're not welcome in the dragon's jungle. But your characters will be going there. Not to say you can't play like a a, a kitsune or something like that, but like a lot of the other NPCs will be of human-esque. I, I wish there was a better word. For humanoid. 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 It, it, There's a humanoid. word for it. Humanoid. It, it's in like the Pathfinder rulebook. Yeah, everything. but like, yeah, but like technically by the Pathfinder rulebook, like Tengu's are humanoids. Oh, core races. Core. That's probably better. Core yeah. races. Yeah, but yeah, we'll stick with that. Kind of like a core race kind of look. Something that looks mostly human. They're not welcome in this in this region of the world. This is a a spot that they have not conquered. It is, and I and I want to kind of pit back because it, it kind of harkens back to like these very. You know, pulp fiction, kind of heart of darkness, never before seen by you know, obviously Western civilization, and that that's very loaded. And we're gonna ignore that because we're gonna change it to like Beastkin, and just kind (laughs) of just kind of pat that down. (laughs) I don't. There's certain because there's certain tropes in that we that are that are kind of with the Jungle Adventure. There's certain things that are gonna be kind of. Prevalent in that kind of fiction and we're gonna kind and we're gonna find ways of dealing with that that are Tactful and tasteful, but also spooky Do you have like pop culture or culture like like touchstones mm-hmm. that
3: you could use as like a reference for tone? Mm. Give us an idea
0: of it, kind of what you're aiming at here. Yeah, um you ever yet yeah, Michael Crichton's Congo I'm not familiar with yeah the the literary masterpiece that is Congo is a good choice to start with. Also, Tarzan, Um, like the Disney one with the Phil Collins. uh, Yeah, this entire I want when we're playing, I'm just gonna have Phil Collins the entire time (laughs) to really set the mood. I think that's really going to drive what I'm kind of getting at. Strong choice. Yeah. yeah. That hoping. absolutely
1: gives more suspense. Is tree
0: surfing a deck skill or a strength skill? It's just going to be nothing but the
2: drum solo. <laughs> anyway, I'm hoping for little creatures from the black lagoon myself. That's a
0: good one. There, am I, yes, that's another good pin, another good touchdown is creature from the black lagoon um indiana jones indiana indiana jones is another good touchstone for this mm-hmm. kind of feel yeah exactly you're 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 in the right headspace for what we're talking about why settle for creature of the black lagoon when you could go with the shape of water shape of water is too romantic <laughs> and it
2: didn't take place in a jungle
0: also didn't take place in a jungle it could take like we could be like prequel to <laughs> shape of water where he's just in the rainforest let me fuck the fish man cal Okay. Don't like, stifle my creativity. I, I promise <laughs> roll for that. In this campaign, I promise you at least one fuckable fish man. That is my solemn vow as a GM to his players, is one fuckable fish man.
1: You're gonna give us a romance option?
0: Oh, I think actually, yeah, if you wanna talk about that, I think, yeah, I, I I kind of plan on doing a romanceable option really for any character. Except for like maybe the married couple who I plan on being but maybe they're polyamorous. I don't know. We'll find that through the joy of role play. <laughs> uh, awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. Um, so to kind of talk about this campaign, so yeah, you are going to be part of an uh, expedition going into a jungle. You're going to have to have a reason why this university ha- has hired you out to go into the jungle as part of this group. What role do you fulfill? Why is your character there? If you can answer those questions, and your character fits, right? Uh, otherwise... I, I don't want anyone being like, oh, you land in the docks and suddenly you guys are like, you know what? My character wouldn't go in the jungle. He's afraid of jungles. <laughs> Your character's not going to work in this campaign.
3: You have to up a new
0: character. My character's very sensitive to humidity. Yeah. Great. He gets his frizzy hair. Because <laughs> um, what we're doing, I guess, we, I should maybe talk about a little bit, is what we're doing is, is this is a session zero. A session zero being a kind of a, a, a good debrief, a, a moment, a, a production meeting of source for a campaign where we can kind of talk about what will be expected in the campaign, what rules we're going to be using, what world we're dwelling in. And to talk a little bit more specifically, we'll be dealing with my homebrew world. This is a, a world that I've, I've been kind of playing around with for the last decade. It's kind of my big sandbox it's whatever i need it to be at the moment. I what i like about my own homebrew world is that there's some fun connections. Like Chrissy made choices 10 years ago in our first campaign that could come up in this campaign. And i like that. That's kind of what that's kind of the fun is the shared communal experience because at the end of the day, like tabletop RPGs are a shared communal experience and it's fun for people to kind of have like we're all building this together. We're it's not just me, it's my players too. We're all working together to kind of further flesh out this world. Everyone kind of has their own bit of ownership over it. And that's why I prefer homebrewing in a my own world versus homebrewing in a predetermined world, like Forgotten Realms or Galarian, because I, I don't want to invalidate a choice that someone else is making. Like I want to be able to change the world as I as I see fit. Like if I, in my homebrew world, like if I decided that. I don't know anything about the Forgotten Realms anymore. I've forgotten it all. Okay, but like, no, here we go. Like, uh, like Waterdeep. Like Waterdeep, in my wor- in my homebrew world, Waterdeep has been conquered by orcs. And then, you know, we're playing that campaign, but you're like, but like Waterdeep was never conquered by orcs, and, but it's part of my setting already. I don't want to have that fight. I don't want to have to have like invalidate someone else's reading and someone else's experience of the game. So as long as it all takes place in my world, then I don't feel like I am. And also, I feel comfortable just, like, taking big ideas out of other systems. That's the fun thing about Homebrew, too, is that you're playing for a very small audience. You you know, unless you're podcasting out to the world, it won't matter. So, hopefully, I I don't have to rethink anything, but (laughs) I think as long as I'm just kind of, you know, you can steal liberally, though. And that's often encouraged is to take – Take your best ideas from books. Take ideas from video games. Take ideas from other campaign settings. Because once you've recontexted it, it doesn't matter. Like, the players' interactions with things change everything. Like, you see, you know, everyone takes characters from, like, video games or books or something like that. But they end up in a new context because they're going to be interacted with. And it will always be different. Even if you try to make it the same, it will always be different.
1: Yeah, it's also fun as a player to be able to... Pinpoint certain things and be like oh i know where that came from or i know what that's meant to be or i know that that is cal's version of
0: mm-hmm. you know my big game of thrones campaign i literally stole the first like 25 percent of final fantasy tactics is the plot like it just <laughs> verbatim just ripped it right out none of them ever played tactics before i just stole it, it didn't was, like um... some guest player call you out on it oh he did yeah like later on like i would describe like what had happened previously he's like oh cool so like the first half of final fantasy tactics he said it to me like and I'm like, uh, yeah, I'm brilliant. And it was amazing. Everyone loved it. So, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it was amazing. <laughs> For this campaign, we're going to be playing... I want to let you guys know, because um, I, I really do enjoy open worlds, but this is going to be a little less open. It's going to be a little tighter. I don't want to ever railroad you. And I think this is kind of a worth talking about, railroad versus open world. And I feel like there is a nice sweet spot right in the middle there. I feel like with my last campaign, I was very open world. I kind of just put you guys on a map, and I said, go. And you guys, and like my players explored it. By, I keep saying you guys. It's only two of you. Alan wasn't there, and he feels excluded, I'm certain. You okay?
2: Don't tell me how I feel. <laughs> I will You're railroading my emotions. I'm really railroading my emotions. <laughs> you're right. I'm sorry. Maybe you're all uh,
0: Anyway. Objection.
3: Counselor is testifying.
2: <laughs>
0: So, um, but my last campaign was very open world. I was very much like I just let the pair, players kind of dictate what the pace was, where they went, and that's fun because I liked I liked that feeling in that game. That's what I wanted out of that game. I wanted the world to be. I didn't know where you were going to go that day. I, every time we sat down to play, I had my map, and you guys just went north, and I pulled up what happened north of where you were, and and we would go with it, and and we and it really was fun. Like there was some really fun stuff that happened in there, but. I also felt because of that the story sometimes was lacking. like there wasn't enough clear motivation for what was happening. Sometimes like there could th- be things that were pressingly urgent. but because of the nature of the game, it didn't really make sense to like continue the world forward, even if your characters were doing something else. And so like like it was fun and I'm ready, to, but I'm ready very much to try something different. And so this world, I'm gonna try to go for much more of a A tighter, linear story that you guys will very much be able to affect. It's not... I don't want you guys to feel like you're on the railroad, though you will be on a bit of a railroad because you're going into a jungle. But besides that, (laughs) there shouldn't be too much. There will be certain parts I control, but a lot of it will be in your hands. It's a horror game. I want to talk about Consent a little bit, just in the sense of uh, these games they're kind of supposed to be inherently kind of scary. And like fear is a big it, it, fear can trigger people in different ways. I don't know what is going to trigger you guys. I've known a lot of you pretty well and I don't, and I feel pretty comfortable with you, but you never know what's going to happen. I had a, 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 I remember once in high school, I remember learning about like child abuse and it was just like in a, it was like in a social class of some sort. And at, at the end of the class, I was fine. I went to my, my science class. I halfway through my science class, I had to get up and go because I was so uncomfortable about talking about child abuse for the last hour in my previous class it was. I didn't know what happened. I, I, nowadays, now I can recognize like, oh, I was triggered by something in that. And so I want you guys to all feel very comfortable if I push some sort of boundary against you because I want to make you feel scared. I really do. Like That's kind of the goal of this is to make you guys feel scared and also heroic at different times. And I want to be. It's gonna. It's something I've never really tried to do as a GM. So I really hope that we nail it. And if we don't, I want you guys to feel free to be able to say, Cal, I don't feel comfortable pursuing this line of roleplay anymore. We stop. And of course, without any sort of issue, that will be taken care of. We'll figure it out. Um. And then to kind of move on a little bit, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about my homebrew world. That what's the important things you guys need to know. You're going to be going to a place called the Dragon's Jungle. It's, the Dragon's Jungle is a big, huge jungle, half of a continent large. My inspiration being very much like the Congo or the Amazon, just like these big, massive jungles, like with a, a world unto itself. Uh, the Dragon's Jungle is also serves as a location where, in the setting, lots of beastkin live. Beastkin are anthropomorphic kind of humanoids, furries. Yes, sir, furries. You got, but you got your Kitsune, you got your Nagaji, you got Venara, you got Gnolls, all of those kind of like classic fantasy races in this setting. A lot of them have been put into this jungle either by choice or by force in different kind of situations. Um, and that's where we're going and, like, so we'll be spending a lot of time in this place So and, and your characters will all know going in that like any of like the core race, like, human looking creatures are generally unwelcome in the dragon's jungle um, and that's kind of what we're going to go into there's also a number of countries that are nearby and I'll kind of send you that list and we'll explore those countries and what those countries mean probably more through roleplay than anything else but I'll send you kind of like a brief description and maybe, we'll probably put that up on the website or like what those countries are and what they're about I I also do not have a map of this place because I don't believe in maps. Um, but I, I way I say that is, like, again, it's part of my own maybe homebrew ethos is I don't have big maps of my world because I want to be able to change things if we need to. Like let's say if Chrissy comes up with an idea for a nation that she wants to be from, she's very set on a specific nation, like she wants to be from this kind of place, and it doesn't really fit the mold of what I created. I want the na- I want the ability to now that's in the world. It's it's part of we're all working together. Now it's in the world. That's why there's no maps essentially. That's what I'm trying to get to. Also you're lazy. Also I'm lazy and I can't draw. So these things <laughs> all kind of compound to my ethos. Um and we're going to be playing Pathfinder, which is a fun game, I promise. <laughs> <laughs> there's an onion article whose title is something
3: like Board game rules explanation, peppered with assurances it will be fun. Yeah, and I, is, I I find myself thinking about that.
0: That is Pathfinder. I love Pathfinder. It is my, it is my sweet little baby.
3: More like Mathfinder, am I right? You are right.
0: There's a lot of math. It's actually not that much, but like I'm not gonna defend Pathfinder to the to the internet. Like that's not my job. I'm not here to do that. I I like Pathfinder a lot. And the reasons I like it is because it's so customizable, and I think people can really play anything they really want to play. There are—it's not a perfect system though, and to talk about that—and I've been playing it for about a decade now—and there's serious problems I kind of have with it. And I think there's little things that can be done to make it a little better here and there. And so, like maybe if they made another edition of it. Maybe if they made another edition of <laughs> Pathfinder. Yeah. I hope Pathfinder Two is good. We did just do a little uh, a little test run of it like a week or two ago. It was kind of fun. We we had to. I think there's we have thoughts both ways, good and positive, and good and positive. (laughs) Good and positive. Those are the both ways. I only have I only have good things to say about Pathfinder two. Let me tell you that. Ah, you know I don't know. That 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 last combat went way too long, and I couldn't control that. But that's my life. We didn't have a blunt weapon. Yeah, someone bring a make sure one of your characters carries a bludgeoning weapon in this campaign. I don't know. That's just me throwing that out there looking at you guys. Anyway, I want to talk I do want to talk Not about it. yeah. Damn it. <laughs> I want to talk a little bit about um, the house rules we're going to implement cuz since Pathfinder is so it's old, it's big, it's kind of clunky and maybe some might say bloated maybe <laughs> but i hey, think
2: so you want do you want to find the term bloat for anybody who doesn't know sure, what that is? sure okay
0: so to talk about bloat is that you know uh, any rules any especially this is a kind of a specific problem to rpg games in order for the rpg to come out you know you have the one set core rule book pathfinder really cool about that because it has one core rule book and, like there isn't a player's handbook and a and a, ma- a dungeon master's guide there's just the one which is nice but it's a little updated now. There's a lot of problems with it here and there. And since that book's come out, in the decade that's since followed, they put out another two hardcover books full of new rules every year. And I get it. Like, there's a publishing company. They have to make money. And a lot of their rules and a lot of their ideas are really fun. But there's just a lot of it. And the more of it that comes out, it, come, it becomes very what's the word like, kind of like unfriendly it's an unfriendly system to kind of look at from afar you look at it from afar and you say wow that's a lot to take in that's a lot to digest and i i'd rather just play a game like 5e which is brand new because there's just less material and it's a little simpler to run at this point too how, off the top of your head mm-hmm. how, uh, roughly how many
3: books would you say we have as players to draw on for pathfinder now
0: Oh, in, in like the
2: 8th or ninth 20? year of this system Yeah, yeah like 20, right? Book. I mean, that's counting D-series and stuff There's gotta be like 30 books on that shelf right now
0: Well, you're also maybe counting all my splat books And splat <laughs> books don't count If <laughs> you didn't know uh, Yeah, those don't count The little thin babies are just my little babies And you can't talk bad about them um instead instead, alan is
3: pointing to our bookshelf that overflows with role-playing textbooks
0: yeah there's a lot of books on that shelf like literally it's overflowing we we can't actually fit any more there i think i could fit planner adventures i think i could (laughs) we've talked about this um and maybe more pawn boxes anyway um so Pathfinder is a lot, there's a lot going on in Pathfinder. There's a lot of spells, a lot of feats, a lot of classes, a lot of archetypes, and it's daunting. But with a little bit of work, I find it very worth it because you can really kind of draw and create whatever you want to create. You can play any character you really like put your mind to. There's nothing that like you, I can't think of a, fi- a single fictional character at this point where like I couldn't make in Pathfinder. It just, maybe. Friar Tuck. Friar Tuck, you yeah, can't do it. Can't do it. You can't just play. Like,
2: would, you can't just play like a monk with a staff. I have so tried. Hold
0: up, hold up, hold up. So try it, this is going to derail it for a split second. But I'm going to allow it. I'm just going to allow this <laughs> Chuck, this little Friar Chuck, aside.
3: I'll allow it, but watch yourself, counselor. Yeah,
0: wait. Wouldn't fr- Couldn't Friar Tuck just be set up as like an adept? I like got an NPC class. Wouldn't that make more sense?
2: Yeah, but he was a staff fighter. Okay. Like you can make a staff fighter. That's okay. that you can do. I played one for five years. Yeah, right. but you can't make a Gregorian monk out of a monk because You're, they're Eastern monks. Because they're Eastern monks he and they have stunning fists and things right. like that. Things yeah, like Gregarian that Gregorian monks don't have.
0: Mean, then just be an inquisitor no. No. or a war priest. But like, do you want him to have magic?
2: Yeah, but then he's not a monk. And Friar Tuck was a monk. Oh
0: wait, 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 wait! You're just being hung up over the word monk.
1: Yes.
2: Yes. <laughs> okay. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't deal with that. That's. We
3: have that's, tons of time for rules crunch, but you know what we don't have time for? Pedantry. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have time
0: for you and your ridiculous attitude over <laughs> names. Anyway. So we were talking about homebrew, homebrew house rules. Homebrew house rules. I'm gonna. I, there's. I have run. Mostly rules as written campaigns. I think I prefer rules as written campaigns for the most part because it's easier to say everyone has the access to the same material. I don't have to debrief everybody on a million little house rules like I'm about to. But I'm going to do it because I feel like this is the, this is the space for it. This is the reason why we're doing this campaign is to find what makes a game great, what makes a game good, and what rules can, like, what about rules can make a game better? And so there's a couple things I want to address, and we're going to go, kind of go quickly through them. Um, after playing Pathfinder 2, that playtest, I really fell in love with the action economy. I love that three-action economy. I think it's liberating. I think it's fun. I think it's really fun to be able to stand up and move and attack all in one turn. Could you just explain what that means? Supervised action economy? Okay. So in traditional Pathfinder and Dungeons & Dragons you the actions are a little different so i have a movement action on my movement action i can stand i can do a squat i can move 20 things
2: you can do in a move action there's
0: a bunch of things i can do i can i can jumping jack in a move action i think i actually don't know it'd be a waste of a turn, but you could do it for six whole seconds that was your move action was the jumping jacks um and then you have a standard action, which are a little bit more broad than move actions. They tend to be, you know, that's attack, that's a cast a spell, that's drink a potion. Um, and then you have a bunch of other fiddly other things like reactions, swift actions, free actions. Immediate actions. Immediate actions. I don't know. There's there's a lot of actioning stuff. There's like
3: eight different categories of action. I don't know if there's that many, but there are a lot. There are nine categories of <laughs> there's action. There's
0: ten, actually. <laughs> um, so... The Revised Action Economy boils that away. It's kind of like we play a lot of Eldritch Horror, and it's a little bit more like Eldritch Horror where you just have three actions, everything is an action, or it's multiple actions. And that's kind of easy to remember. Like an attack as an action, casting most spells is two actions, and I still have a remaining action. I can, if I want to move, I can spend two actions, I can move far, and use two magicians to move, and then attack at the end. I like it's just I like it. I think it's freeing. I think it, it gets rid of a titter of attacks, which I also enjoy. Next, we'll be also be doing is the automatic bonus progression, which is a thing that five E does, and I love about fifth edition, is that you just as you level up, your stats just get way better instead of having to wear specific kinds of magical items. I don't know whose idea this magical like I must wear a specific belt and helmet and cape.
1: I spent five years with a colored fang curling around my forehead
2: because of those stupid girls. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure it goes back to Gary Gygax. Does it really? I'm pretty sure. It's got to. Yeah. I don't know about that. But, I mean, it, it's, it, it's, it goes way back. It's really, it, yeah. it was like
0: a second edition thing too. Mm-hmm. I never played second edition. Thacko, right? That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. I'm not going to pretend to know more than that. Uh, so automatic bonus progression is a- another rule out of Unchained. Essentially as you level up, you're going to get more bonuses to your AC, to your re- saves, and to your um, s- just a ma- main ability modifiers as you choose. And it j- it's just nice. It liberates you from needing specific magic items. Which is, is this out cheap. of a specific book? Uh, Pathfinder Unchained. Okay. Uh, so as, as well as the Revised Action Economy is also out of Pathfinder Unchained.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, the other Pathfinder Unchained rule we're going to be adopting is the po- uh, Poisons and Disease rules out of Pathfinder Unchained. This is new, and we're going to be trying this out. It Essentially, you know how poisons and diseases are boring and suck in Pathfinder? <laughs> yes, acutely. Right? Like, they're not fun. Like, there's just no way of making them fun. Like, you know, it's like you you fail it, you you take a little bit of, like, damage to your dexterity or something, and that's sort of it. And it, it, and it can it can stack up. Like we've definitely had games where it's like, oh, I've taken a lot of con damage, and that's kind of like kind of scary. But like, it's never, it doesn't have that kind of immediacy. Yeah, you never really feel sick. We
3: have had we have had player characters who have literally died from ghoul fever.
0: Yeah, like I, that was the funniest thing in the entire world. So poisons, the new poisons and disease rules, instead of targeting your abilities, it just it's just more of a track. It's more of a. Like, oh I'm poisoned. Well now I have these penalties to me. Uh, I filled my I filled my save to save again. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. It's gotten worse. Now I'm dead. It's fun.
2: Yeah, that'll be great. Yeah, yeah
0: dead. Hilarious. I'm excited for that.
3: Yeah.
1: Don't touch the wrong plant.
3: Yeah, just a jungle full of tsetse flies. Yeah. <laughs> the disease
0: in jungle full of tsetse flies. You caught me. Oh no. Um I played Jumanji. Yeah. Uh, The next one out of Pathfinder that we're going to be doing as an alternate rule is out of uh, Horror Adventures. It's called the Rule of Fear Rule. Since this is going to be like a very spooky game, I want to really kind of stress how spooky the world is. And the Rule of Fear stretches the fear rules from three tiers to seven. And it'll be just kind of nice for your characters are always, you know, I want us to be kind of scared. Your characters should always feel, not always feel, but like when they're scared I want them to be scared and I want that to be able to grow more than just like I'm scared now I'm running away and because that running away is is being the second step works for like when it's not it's just another status effect but this is going to be a status effect that you're going to see a lot so if fear is that kind of thing then you're going to need to have different tiers of it and I like that so we're going to try rule of fear. And the last one we're going to do is the uh, feet tax as presented by the uh, elephant in the room blog post by uh, Michael Ian Torno. It's a, it made the rounds a couple of years ago in the kind of Pathfinder scene, for those of you who follow that kind of thing.
3: Literally just you.
0: Just me. Just just me. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm aware. I, there might be someone listening who also knows. And that person feels cool right now. I'll tell you that. <laughs> and they're like, oh, they're talking, about, they're talking about the elf in the room. Oh, cool. It's about time somebody did. Somebody talk about that An elephant. More like a mastodon at this point. <laughs> Um, what that's going to do is it takes away a lot of what are called feat taxes. Feats that everyone, because of your build, you have to take that same feat over and over again. You know, all fighters, barbarians, rangers, they if you're playing a melee class, you have to take power attack. You're crippling your character if you don't take power attack. You're playing a ranged build, you have to take deadly aim. You're crippling yourself if you don't take deadly aim. There's a number of feats kind of like this that are just like gateway feats or nothing feats. And so what this kind of rule system does is that it turns those feats into just combat options, like total defense or taking cover or anything like that. It's just another thing you can just choose to do. All characters have it. All NPCs will also have it. Boo. So keep that in mind. <laughs> um, but it's going to be fun. It'll free you to take... A, I'm always just wanting to you guys to take more flavorful options. That's kind of the point of a lot of the things I like, is I ra- instead of you guys having... To be forced down certain paths, you get to really play what you want to play. Take the classes, take the feats, take the items. Play the character you want to play. What interests you. Um, and so that's why we're doing the fee tax. And then that's kind of it for what I'm thinking for a lot of the house rules. Oh, I want to talk to you guys a little bit about out-of-combat healing a little bit. If anyone has, like, a rule or an idea for that. I didn't really have one. I kind of... I don't like happy sticks, but, like, I accept them as... Part of the universe that we're playing in. I'm sorry,
2: what? A happy say uh, that's
0: a, a, a wand of cure light wounds.
2: Yeah, that's. I have to say, it was one thing I, I kind of get tired of with Pathfinder is that everybody has to have a cure light wound. It's boring. Wand. It's yeah. so boring. Um, you know, fifth edition has the healer. What do they, got? they have the healer feet so that you basically you can use a healer's kit. Okay. Um, to actually heal up a certain number of hit points out a combat. Okay, is that like? Um, where, where and, where do we do that? And yeah, and so the, the idea is you can heal, you can heal like a certain number, like a, I don't know if it's 1d8 plus something, you know, I think it's plus character level or something like that. Okay. Um, and uh, and you can only do it because it's fifth edition. You can only do it to any specific person once every short rest.
0: Okay, because of the short rest rules, right? The short rest rules. So there's got to be a way we can, I wonder, you know, we're not, I'm not going to iron it out right now, but I like that. Like maybe we just, I like a non magical healing outside of combat option. Where you can just heal quickly back up to like not full maybe, but like near full,
2: put a band-aid on it,
0: put a band-aid yeah. on it like yeah. I think I think like I think if you're going to dedicate yourself as a healer, like what that should be is like you're good at healing in combat then, right like outside of combat, I feel like Because everyone, you don't want to be walking around with, like, that's just, like, not how people play RPGs. You don't walk around most of the time with, like, low HP. You're never like, oh, I only got, like, 5 HP out of my 30. I'm going to just, like, keep going. No one does that. And so I'd rather, I want to find a, I think that's that's probably the solution is maybe, like, an out-of-combat, you have a heal check, you have a healer's kit... I maybe there should be some there should be some sort of arbitrary limit to it, I guess. But we'll we'll figure that as we yeah, go. Yeah, it's kind of
1: like dealing with like a stamina where you can't heal, like because because your stamina isn't low because you're not currently fighting. You should be able to do X amount of right. You should be able to heal regeneration of
0: right. But there's phase. we'll have to find a way. We'll we'll have to find. A, maybe I'll look at. I'll try to poke around for more alternative rules on this sort of thing. Of like maybe there's a way to dealing with it. Because it, it, that's just always something that always sticks into my craw yeah. is, like, out of combat healing. Because like, I just feel like most people are, no matter what the game is, like, they're just going to want to heal up to full no matter what. Even, and so if I said there's no happy six, well, it's like, it'll just turn into, oh, well, we rest to regain our spells so we can sleep and heal. Right? Which is just also not fun where it's, like, people adventure for, like, oh, we got into a fight. I took a bunch of damage. Okay, well, I guess we just rest for the day. That's not fun either. Right. So we'll find the happy medium on that. If anyone has ideas, I'm totally, like, saying it. It's like, I'm just open to ideas on this.
3: I would also add that we're going into a jungle full of all kinds of exotic plant life. Maybe yeah. there could be some kind of thing where somebody makes a successful knowledge of nature check to find oh. some kind of healing herb
0: or whatever. I like that. I like that a lot. You know, Use the setting. There's a uh, there's a, a set of rule options. In, I'll have to read it over again. In Ultimate Wilderness came out, like, a year ago now where there was like a kind of like a you can forage for different plants mm-hmm. maybe i'll I'll read that over again maybe there's something to do like kind, of, of kind of combine these ideas i was like thinking the, breath of the wild but
3: i think we all have like our, our the, one like our one video game rpg that we're all thinking of yeah <laughs> yeah
0: i think we're, we're on the right tra- we're on the right path here okay and then i wanted to lastly mention uh is do you guys want to do this is a, a question i kind of lead to you guys a little bit is I like having systems – every game has a system where you get to bend the rules a little bit because of great RP or cool cool moments, right? Where, like, you know, I, like in our previous campaign we did is, like, if you did the write-up if you did, like, the, the recount for the campaign, you got a, a, a natural 20. You could, like, change any of your dice rolls into a natural 20. And that was like the fun thing. Like everyone had one
1: per session. Yeah, you couldn't change any of them all the time. It was one yeah. singular.
0: Anyway. Anyway, <laughs> um, but those kinds of things are, I think, important to the into these games. Uh, does anyone have any kind of like pitch for what we could do? Uh, well, I,
2: have,
0: go ahead. I would say one thing I like about Fifth Edition is the
3: system of advantage versus disadvantage. Mm-hmm. Like, I really like the idea that certain actions might grant us. A re-roll and we can take either the highest or we have to take the lowest roll mm-hmm. um and I, I think maybe having other players nominate for hero points is a little too anarchic
2: mm-hmm. uh
3: but maybe instead of gifting a nat 20 the way christy just described you could gift us uh
0: advantage advantage
3: rolls. or depending on a circumstance give us disadvantage
0: I, I, I don't want to implement full-on imp, uh, advantage disadvantage rules, um, only because that is kind of what sets fifth edition apart from Pathfinder. That, that, that's fifth edition's big thing is the advantage <clears throat> disadvantage system. But I do think like reroll checks is a really good option for this sort of like thing. Um, I'll say I think here's what I'm thinking for now.
2: Well, I was going to implement as that? well. So is that, um, so third edition Eberron introduced hero um, ac- action points. Right? Mm-hmm. So that you had a certain number of action points per level, as I didn't ever remember it, mm-hmm. and you can use those for a bonus on a roll. Um, so, like, let's say you're your first level and you have, I don't know, maybe one action point, right? Uh, and then at one point in this encounter, um, you know, you roll low and you say, Well, I'm going to apply my action point. And I guess I roll a d8 on top of that. And that gives me that moment, that momentarily burst. You know, oh. and it, kind I'm sure, of like the, the inspiration. For yeah, it, I'd have to so go an back wish. and look at it. I'd have to go back and look at it, but that was something. Okay, so like if I, if, so you roll your d
0: twenty. Let me kind of make sure I understand this. So you roll d twenty, and then you could spend this nebulous point action, to roll yeah. an action point or whatever, just to roll an additional dice.
2: Yeah, and it was supposed to represent it because they they talk about it in the system about being very pulp fiction, and that's this idea that there's this like a, this moment when the hero pushes forward past circumst- you know really dangerous circumstances okay you know um, and does something incredible and cinematic that yeah. was their idea
0: I like that I like that I like that that's kind of fun I, I like that cuz it kind of I like that a little bit more than like the roll, you can do a re-roll because the re-roll, like it's no fun when I like do a re-roll and it's n- worse. Yeah, right. Maybe. Like that's no fun. Yeah. If I if I feel like I'm spending a a point that I only get like I only have like one or two of and I'm not gonna get any like without like some sort of finagling, mm-hmm. I feel like I want it to be really effective. I like that for that reason. Well, that's I
2: like- still have my Everon campaign guide, so I'll look it up. Let's look into that. Look, I like yeah. I like all yeah, these ideas. <laughs> what, can I, what can
0: I come up at? And I like the idea of like. Here's what I'll say for this kind of rule, because I feel like people, forget. the other issue is like, I'll either have to give you something physical, because we always forget if we have these sort of nebulous points, right? Yeah. It's always like, where do I write these now? Where are they? How many do I have? We'll have to either figure out like a physical way of doing it, or just like a part on your character sheet where you record it, or maybe you can only ever have one at a time. Something like that. And I like that, I like that system though. And I think we'll, we'll do this sort of thing where like anybody can nominate anybody, like if I feel like someone just did some great role playing or did something very cool, I'll nominate. I'll like I'll give you that point. Or if you guys feel like someone did just uh, did something very cool or very role play, like in character, or did a, had a great moment, you guys can nominate it, and
2: and then I'll say yes or no. So
0: it's still up to me. But um, like I'll listen to you. I promise to be fair.
2: <laughs> can, we, can we have a little emerald like crystals that as an homage to *Romancing the Stone*?
0: That's pretty good. Yeah, I'll yeah. find some little emerald like like crystals and it'll all be an homage to romancing the stone. That's another point of uh that you can really touch on is romancing the stone. That's a great movie. It's a it's really, really yeah. good movie. We watched it a little while ago. It's one of my girlfriend's favorite films. Yeah.
2: As opposed to having like little diamonds as a reference to Blood Diamond, because I don't think that's the right tone.
0: No. Wrong no. choice. Yeah, Wrong we're choice. gonna we're going higher higher adventure. Yeah. See, you said emeralds. I went to Sonic the Hedgehog. <laughs> all right. I feel really good about everything. I want to talk to you guys a little bit about what characters you're thinking about. Where Where's your brain at? What are you? What's gotten into your craw? All of our characters need to be really into
3: crunchy snacks in crinkly bags. All of us. <laughs> all the time. Just all the characters. It's, a, it's just a major trait for all of us that we need those things. But like, the one thing we all decided overall was that we needed somebody who was sneaky, somebody who was smashy, somebody who was uh casty and somebody who was healy except except there's only three of us yeah so fortunately (laughs) the bloat of pathfinder works in our favor here because there are now 34 classes 34 classes with various sub archetypes yes where each of which has several archetypes and that means that and then if you factor that in with multi-classing you can, as you say, it is the Linux of RPG systems. You can code anything into Pathfinder. So that we had a lot of options to make sure that all of our bases were covered in that regard.
2: And of course, now is the first time we're kind of like coming back together to talk about what we're like. We spent a couple of days individually thinking about, you know, what we could do. And now we're coming back together to kind of talk about. It.
0: All right. So what are you? Yeah. So where, where where your head's at, Chrissy, What are you thinking?
1: Yeah, I got some thoughts, y'all. Uh, so we'd kind of the only thing that we kind of left our initial conversation saying about my character was that it was going to be a little bit more of a dexterity build and a little bit more of the sneaky side of the party. So
2: I think we also expected you to be. Like, pretty you know, in the face of our party. Also pretty. Yeah. Because that's important. Anyone can play
0: a woman. Paul, if you want to play a woman, I'd n- I'm not going you. Would you like to be the, the pretty
1: be... woman, Paul? I'm happy to be the pretty woman, but you can be the pretty woman. You could
0: also be a pretty man. I'm not going to discriminate in any way. I'm always hot. That's true. I run hot. That's just my life, though. <laughs> just uh,
1: yeah, so we were looking at something that was a little bit more of a dex charisma build, was the goal. On my own, I was trying to come up with a really good backstory, and when I realized I was really excited about playing with some sort of genuinely, I don't want to say good necessarily. Maybe it's good, but maybe it's not lawful. We'll see. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but definitely on, the, definitely on the good side of things, I didn't want to play something that was particularly scary because I liked the idea of having a character that was less scary go into a scarier environment. Right. So yeah. I didn't want to go, I was immediately, I started thinking about like fetchlings and things like this, but I was like, I feel like they're going to, It's. I didn't want to play something that was dark in an environment that was going to be dark.
0: Mm-hmm. You want to stand out a little exactly. bit. Exactly. I wanted okay. to be
1: something that was obviously from outside. So I started looking at a little bit more, I'm going to call them friendly races, but I don't know. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so you're playing in Dome. <laughs> no. So it was, uh, I started, I kind of came in with the idea of, I've got like three different sort of builds that I've thought about. One of them is... Uh, kitsune unchained rogue which i okay. think is probably where i'm leaning the strongest but i like the idea of my kitsune especially after hearing more of the description of the jungle and the sort of beastkin that we've got going on i had actually thought about building her as a kitsune who was raised among humans so she's less likely to shift into fox shape okay so she's much more of like just a red-headed woman okay um who grew up around humans for the audience i have red hair it's appropriate.
2: Uh, <laughs> I was about to say, you have We're prepared. all smirking
3: so much right now. <laughs>
2: it's a
0: culture. Uh,
1: yeah, it's my culture. But so having it be a little bit less apt to be in Fox form at all times. Um, so I was looking at that sort of structure, which definitely covers the Dex Charisma thing. So that's, sure. that's kind of where I'm leaning the most. My other kind of backup ideas are um, like a changeling chameleon adept hunter if we decided that we needed someone who had a little bit more of a sort of like a tracking sense the ability because we are on this exploratory mission and trying to find my role within the expedition was like maybe maybe we're going to need someone who knows where we're going I, I don't know what NPCs you've built and I don't know who else is on our I'm not going
0: to tell you because you're going to meet them in yeah. the game
1: I know but that's but in case we felt like maybe it was going to be beneficial to have someone who was a little bit more tracky and a little bit less trap findy
2: Okay. that All was right. an option and
1: the other one that i had like my th- third throwaway, is a human but a snake shifter oh, okay so uh I, I i've never dealt with shifters before and i think they're, they're kind of name. fascinating yeah. yeah, they're the, the newest it. class so the 34th I, class. I think it's a really fascinating thing especially because we're playing in a dragon jungle i liked the idea of being like a dragon bound human that had some sort of kind of bloodline connection to the dragon feel of the jungle and so was there for a little bit more of like some sort of heritage feel or some sort of responsibility
0: okay that sounds really uh, fun
1: so that was my kind of third option I
3: like it what you got Paul? well I've always known that it's best if you write what you know and what I know better than anything else is being a disappointment to my immigrant parents so um, <laughs> you did choose
0: to be an novelist so
3: yeah <laughs>
2: wow the arts
3: (laughs) no so um it cal's previous campaign that i played in the omioto islands campaign it's kind of a japanese sort of feel and i for for the record i am asian-american not necessarily indicative uh in this campaign on this uh podcast but i'm asian so i thought that i would borrow some of his setting that i already knew about and i think that what happened is So I'm playing a Tengu, which is kind of a raven person or like a crow person from Japanese mythology. Um, And the idea that I had for the character is that his parents emigrated from the Omiyoto Islands uh, to the west and they said that he needed to work really hard uh, because they worked really hard for him. and He needed to work really hard and get a respectable career like being a doctor or a wizard. Um, And so I think he went to um sorry shermov university
0: shermov
3: yeah yeah shermov university and he enrolled in their wizardry program and he instantly flunked out because he just has neither the inclination nor the skill at it but he hasn't really told his parents yet and he's kind of on academic probation um, and he ends up in this expedition as a way of essentially clearing his academic probation Okay, okay yeah
0: uh so there's a- so that be, that would be like a wizard, like a wizard tengu.
3: Well actually, um when we talked about the different roles we were going to play, we decided that I would be best suited to being uh kind of our fighter, kind of our tank. Oh okay. So there is a fighter archetype called the Eldritch Guardian, which is essentially a type of fighter who has a couple wizard abilities. Uh you can't cast spells, but you have like a certain arcane awareness and you have a familiar <clears throat> and um, you have maybe some certain relevant skill checks that could possibly help us cover some bases. Uh-huh. Um, and I kind of like the idea of just this this shitty college dropout who's stuck on this. Uh, like he's the kind of person that in a horror movie would totally die first, or like, uh. or like maybe he would die second to last, and his death would be particularly satisfying. And it will be my challenge as a player to keep him alive as long as possible uh, because. As a Tengu, he is a literal shitbird. He is like I had originally thought. Maybe I'd play him as a two weapon fighter, but you introducing the three action economy has me rethinking that a little bit. Yeah,
0: the, there is two, two weapon fighting in the three action economy. So. It,
3: there is, but you yeah. and I will have to talk about that off yeah, air well, yeah, well, whether yeah. that's still the best option for him. Yeah. But in the meantime, <laughs> like I think, like I think he is, a, I think he is a dumb jock with overbearing Asian parents who. Uh, okay. is stuck doing security for this caravan and he has really no idea what he's getting into he just doesn't want to re- he is more terrified of sending home a report card with an f to his asian parents than he is of going into this hell jungle uh and that is something that i can relate to on a very personal level he's
0: bird <laughs> regimental. mantle yeah he is a little bit bird reggie mantle that's I like absolutely it. that i like 13 it. ravens why yeah <laughs> um is that kind of is that kind of like your primary do you have any other ones you want to talk about a little bit or uh, is that kind of your big thought like
3: there's like a version of it i kind of started up like a ranger version of it but it didn't quite fit the arcane flavor okay. as well but you're like
0: you're really you're liking the tengu.
3: i am definitely liking the tengu. i think it takes two to tengu, and i am uh I like more tendus. than enough yeah First. no they're awesome cool
2: and what are you feeling i look at things that were kind of very intelligent that was kind of like my core. You wanted to play And, and probably castery.
0: Okay.
2: You know, that was my two assignments, right? And maybe even like, you know, responsible for some of the healing kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When I approach character, I often think about characters in, in pop culture um, that, that are interesting to me at the time. And sometime, and, I, and I, also, I also really do love to gay up a game. So <laughs> I tend to look for something that's, you know, that's a little bit queer. I know that uh, like I played an adventure path with you guys in which I was inspired to play, to make a fire sorcerer based off of the um, dancing boys of Afghanistan. Yeah. Because I had seen a play actually musical about them. Um, (laughs) It was great. Uh, So, so this time I, cause I was thinking about these tropes of the, of, of, you know, the jungle and colonialism and, you know, being a white man, I was like, well, what, how do I want to like, enter this jungle and I thought I want to go in as the exact opposite of the of the you know adventuring foreigner in this jungle and so I want to do so I so my inspiration is Ferdinand Lyle from Penny Dreadful and I love this idea that whatever it is I'm just short and fat and I have like bright blonde hair and I'm mincing and afraid of everything and that's and, and, and so I'm I'm picturing myself as this professor from this university. Okay. Um who I think that uh maybe unbeknownst to me um is somewhat unwanted and sent on this, you know, on this mission in a sense just to get me out of the school. Right? I went through a lot of ideas as how to like how to be this, you know, intelligent, castery thing like that. Um, I tend to like spontaneous casters more than prepared casters, um, just as a personal choice. Um, and so I went through a lot of races and stuff like that. I started off with the occultist. And as I went through, like, you know, we're talking, I went through oracles and druids and witches and, alch- and alchemists and war priests and clerics and rangers and all these ideas. And I just came right back to the occultist. So I'm l- really leaning on that. I was thinking, I was like looking, I was thinking kind of like about, a syl, the, the sylph. 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 Which are what for
3: an
0: listeners? They're like, they're like,
2: they're uh, like air elemental people. Kind yeah. of like air touch people.
0: Out of all the elemental people, they look just like humans with like tattoos. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: so I was kind of picturing this like short, fat (laughs) self who's like really fast and like very light on his feet, you know, light on his loafers sort of speak. And I was thinking about this, like that kind of, that kind of take on the Dan. And then, um, but then also I was like really kind of taken by Ferdinand Lyle's blonde hair and it was blonde wavy hair. And I was thinking how cool it would be to have these golden horns like woven through it. And so I was kind of really looking at the tiefling as a fun take on Ferdinand. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, that's really dandy, you know, really, really kind of fancy dress, dandy tiefling, uh, uh, in a jungle. I love all of right. this. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I love but, all of this so right? much. So I, that's from kind of like going the direction. Uh, so now there are a lot of things I can do to justice because again, we have archetypes, right? Yeah. So, um, one thing we talked about early on was that you wanted to be kind of roguey, mm-hmm. right, Christy? Yeah. And so, um, but I have like, I can be a roguey occultist if I wanted to be, I could disable devices and traps and stuff like that if I wanted to, um, or I could not, you know, I can make those changes according to, you know, well, however, you end up building. Yeah, it. yeah. yeah it's it? yeah. a it's a
0: it's a class that can kind of be whatever it needs to be. Yeah. But depending on how you build it, which is mm-hmm.
2: a fun. Well, yeah. Thing. I mean, I'm a big proponent of uh, party building. I kind of think that party buildings are important, and I think it's, it can be really effective when people talk about what they're good at and let let other people be good at something.
0: Yeah. Versus mm-hmm. trying
2: to, you know, too many people come to builds trying to be good at everything.
0: You also have to recognize that it's a group game, and it, it, the attention shouldn't always be on you. You have to share that. You have to share the kind of experience. You have to be just as invested in everybody else as you are in yourself. That's what makes the, be- the best kind of role play situation. Um, so I think we're going to kind of end here for the day, guys. I think okay. with that, we're going to take a- some time now and sit down and make these characters, kind of flesh them out, pound up, like hammer the steel a little bit. And we're going to come back next week and we're going to start this game up. And uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really excited for you guys uh, to be on board.
2: Yay. Yeah. Right. Do, do,
0: do we have a sign-off? I don't know.
1: Thanks for tuning in for this week's chapter of the Mythos Manual. Please be sure to subscribe and leave a review, and we'll be sure to send you good luck on all your future roles.